0: Good morning everyone, glad to see everybody out this morning uh, as we uh, continue with this crazy weather, 50 degrees one day, 70 degrees another day, 30 degrees the day after that, it must be Pennsylvania, Uh, but we're still blessed because every day is the day that the Lord has made, we need the rain to make things grow, we need the sun to uh, help things to to live, uh, including us. Uh, So let us just be thankful for everything that God provides for us. This morning we are going to continue our walkthrough of Paul's letter to the Philippians uh, in a series that we've called The Winter of Our Contentment. Paul is writing this letter from prison and he's writing it to thank the Philippians for a monetary gift that they have sent so that uh, he can be taken care of in prison. Um, and so that's uh, the area where Paul is, where some of his friends are ministering. They can carry on the spread of the gospel. And basically, Paul is writing to encourage the Philippians to stay strong in their Christian faith. Because Philippi, the city of Philippi, is a Roman colony. And the Roman colony, uh, those people really did not like the Christians very much. Uh, They would persecute them, Uh, they would worship uh, the emperor as God, and if anybody didn't worship the emperor as God, then they were just despised, they were hated. And he wants them to find contentment in Jesus Christ. They have found Jesus Christ. Paul uh, set up a church there in Philippi Philippi with his friend Lydia. And they have been doing well, according to the reports that Paul has uh, been receiving from his friends that have been going back and forth and telling him what's going on. But he wants to continue to encourage them to stand up under persecution, to stand up under the, uh, the things that the enemy is doing there in Philippi to try to destroy the church. And this morning, we're going to continue on. We're going to read uh, from Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 10. Uh, we actually ended at verse 12 last week, but I want to start in verse 10 just so we have the context of what uh, Paul is talking about next. And Paul had just written about this righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ, the righteousness that we just sang about in the hymns that we were singing this morning. And he has told the Philippian church that this righteousness is everything and that everything else is garbage, is excrement. The only thing that he wants is Christ and he has given up everything just to gain Christ. Now we start reading in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And then he goes on, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. He's talking about that perfection of Christ, to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And I don't know about you, but this is, to me, is one of the most encouraging Statements in all of this book of Philippians. Paul is an apostle. Paul has come face to face with Jesus Christ. He was traveling on the road to Damascus, getting ready to kill him some Christians. And Christ stopped him dead in his tracks, knocked him on his back, blinded him for three days. And in the same city where he was planning to kill himself some Christians, He came to faith in Jesus Christ. His eyes were open. His heart was forgiven. And Paul became one of the greatest witnesses for Jesus Christ in that time. And he became an apostle. One of the the 12 that Jesus trusted with his message. And here's Paul. Who has encountered Jesus Christ, who has come to faith, who has been doing the work of Jesus for at least the last 10 years or more, saying, I'm not perfect. Yet. He says, I am not perfect. This is the truth, folks. We are not perfect. Not one of us is perfect. And not one of us will be perfect until after we die. And come face to face with Jesus Christ. Only then will our perfection be made complete. And a lot of us believe this about ourselves. Some of us have heard this kind of bumper sticker theology. We see it on. The, we actually see this bumper sticker sometimes. I am not perfect, just forgiven. And it's true. I am not perfect, just forgiven. But a lot of folks stop right there. I am not perfect, just forgiven, so I'm going to continue to be imperfect because I'll keep getting forgiven. That is not what God calls us to. That is not what Jesus Christ intended when he came to earth to teach us about living a life that's pleasing to God. Paul says, I am not perfect yet. But he doesn't stop there. Paul doesn't say, I'm not perfect, just forgiven, and then goes along his merry way. Paul says, I am not perfect, but perfection is what I strive for. Paul says, I'm not going to use the excuse that nobody's perfect. I'm going to strive for perfection in Jesus Christ in everything I do, in everything I say, And to all people that I encounter, I am striving for that perfection. And he goes on in verse 13. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. It is that perfection. I have not made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about this pressing on, he talks about this striving towards a goal, and the imagery that he's using here is that of a race, somebody running a race, and in other letters, he talks about, I have run the race. And here, he is using this imagery of running a race. How many of you have ever uh, trained for a marathon, or a half marathon? We're a 5K, right? I cannot run a 5K right now. I mean, I could try, and I probably could do it. It just would take me a day or two. <laughs> but believe it or not, early in our marriage, Wendy and I, and Wendy's dad, we all signed up together. We were very excited about this. This was like the year after we were married. And we got excited because we heard there was going to be something called the Baltimore Marathon. And it was the first year. It was the inaugural year of the Baltimore Marathon. And and Wendy and I, we had started kind of working out and getting in better shape than we were when we were married uh, by then. And we were like, yes, we're going to go and we're going to run this marathon. And we signed up and everything. And I think we signed. The the marathon was going to be in October. Uh, We signed up in like April and we said, yes, we're going to start training for this marathon. And it was the hottest spring. like ever in Baltimore that, that year. And we, we said, okay, well, we'll get up at like 6 o'clock in the morning and we'll get out and we'll start our training, we'll start our training run and that way it won't be too hot by the time we get home. And for the first couple of weeks, this was great because we were only running like two, three, four miles at a time. And we would get home and it'd be like 7.30 in the morning and we were like, oh yeah, Ooh, that, was, that was a hard run. Let's go have some breakfast. And then we started running five miles, and seven miles, and eight miles, and it was taking us until 11 or 12 o'clock, and the sun was beating down on our heads, and there was no place for us to stop to get water, except for this really nasty water fountain on this community college campus, and it was just, we became miserable during this whole training. Now you notice I said we, 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 we signed up, (laughs) <laughs> for the Baltimore Marathon. We, we did not run the Baltimore Marathon because uh, the day of our first training where we were going to run half the marathon, it was 13.1 miles, and we had it all planned out, and it must have been 90 degrees that day. And we're running, and then we're walking And then we're stopping. And then we're running again. And then we're walking. We got 12 and a half miles. You could have walked to our house from where we were, and both of us on the side of the sidewalk. (laughs) I'm like, do you want want to go get the car? (laughs) Half a mile from the house, and and we and, and so I got up and I'm like and I'm walking to the thing, but I wanted to finish the the, the half marathon. And Wendy was really mad at me because like it was the, it was like a, like it was actually only like two tenths of a mile to our house, like we could have just walked through the park. But I actually finished the the the, the half or the half mile, 0.6 miles that we were doing, so that I could say I did the half marathon that day.
1: I And Wendy
0: sat on the sidewalk and cried. And I picked her up, and I don't know if you've ever taken an ice bath, but it really feels good after a 90 degree run. Training for that marathon taught us a few things. Her dad actually was training by himself, he was down in North Carolina working, and I think he got to what, like 18 miles? And then he was like, no I'm not doing this anymore, this is stupid! (laughs) But there are a lot of things that go into training for a marathon. And if we look at Paul and what he's talking about with pressing on to obtain this prize. Of course, most people know you run a marathon, you run a half marathon, you run a 5K, you get some sort of something at the end, right? You get like a ribbon or a medal or uh, for a 5K, maybe you get a shirt or something, you know. But there's always something to look forward to at the end of this race. And if we think about our life in Jesus Christ, we can think about kind of the things that go on between the time that we come to faith in Jesus Christ and the time that we die. So training for a marathon, it requires several things. First of all, it requires a well-planned and consistent training program. And what you wanna do is you wanna gradually build your endurance and your strength Over several months, uh, uh, even marathon runners that run a lot of marathons, they still do the training and they do easy days and they do hard days and they do all of this training to build themselves up. And living a life for Jesus Christ also requires a well thought out training plan. We must, first of all, set our eyes On the prize, so to speak. We must set our eyes on eternal life with Jesus Christ, which is what we are promised as the reward for finishing the race. We must set our focus there, because if we don't set our focus there, we're going to end up running in all different directions. or we're just not going to make it at all. We must set our eyes on that reward. And did you know that there are five crowns that are spoken of in Scripture that we will receive when we get to heaven? It's true, there are five crowns. Second uh, Timothy 4.8 talks about uh, a crown of righteousness, and this crown comes to all who love Christ and are saved by faith. 1 Corinthians 9.25 talks about an incorruptible crown that we receive when we practice self-control over our bodies and our minds. So that we do not fall into temptation. James 1.12 and Revelation 2.10 say that we shall receive the crown of life. When we patiently endure the trials and persecutions. And are faithful to Jesus Christ even in death. 1 Peter 5.2 uh, mentions a crown of glory. For those who are examples of Jesus Christ to the world. When you witness to Jesus Christ. You're going to get a crown of glory. And 1 Thessalonians 2.19 tells us that we will receive a crown of rejoicing and just like the crown of righteousness, the crown of rejoicing comes at the end of the race. When we finally cross the finish line and we have lived a life for Jesus Christ and we receive this crown of righteousness, the gold medal. And it's gonna be at that moment that we're going to realize that those crowns are not our reward. In Revelation 4, 10, and 11, the author John sees this vision where he uh, sees these these people who he calls the 24 elders. And the 24 elders represent both the the leaders of Israel, the 12 sons of, of Jacob, and the 12 apostles. So basically, everyone who has ever lived for God, anyone who has ever led this, uh, this, this teaching of living a life pleasing to Jesus Christ. And he sees them cast their crowns before the throne. And they proclaim, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by you will they uh and by your will they existed and were created and we're going to stand there in front of jesus christ with these crowns these five crowns and we're going to even realize that those crowns are nothing Compared to being in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we're going to throw those crowns at his feet. That's the prize. Eternal life with God. That's the ultimate goal. That's our reward. So we gain Jesus Christ. We gain eternal life when we run this race. But we've got to think about how we do it. How do we run this race? How do we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, keep focused on running towards him all the time? And the first thing that a marathon runner does, they, they build this base of, of, of running and training, right? They, they, they build a good base of, of training runs. They build a foundation on which they can build and they figure out, okay, well, I need to run so far this day and then I'm gonna pull back and I'm gonna rest a little bit and then I'm gonna run a little bit farther the next day. And they keep training and they do this and they build this foundation. Spiritually, we need a foundation of our own. And fortunately, the Bible tells us that we have that foundation. First Corinthians 311 says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus. that is our foundation Jesus Christ is our foundation he paves the entire running path and if we stay on that path we will be able to run straight we will be able to run true and we'll risk fewer injuries along the way because we're running on that foundation And he puts us in firm footing. But not only is Jesus our foundation, the Bible also says in Ephesians 2.20 that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our faith. And I don't know if you know uh, architecture or not, but a cornerstone is the very first stone that is laid on the foundation. And it determines the direction of all of the rest of the stones. All of the rest of the stones line up based on that cornerstone. And that's why we have buildings that don't fall down. And Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He orients us. He shows us how we lay the rest of our stones. And I know I'm mixing metaphors here, but stay with me. Jesus orients us so that we are running in the right direction, so that we are building that faith that we need to finish the race. Now, it can take months to prepare to run a marathon. You have to prepare your body, uh, because a, a marathon, you can be running for up to six hours. I can't run for six minutes. I was thinking about actually preaching this entire sermon, like doing this, but I knew I'd pass out, so I decided not to. So I'm sorry <laughs> if any of you were looking forward to that. But I, I can't even—I I can't run from like our from our doorway to our mailbox and back without getting winded, and that's my fault. But it's true. But I could if I decided that I wanted to run. Why anybody would want to run, I don't know, but if you decided that you wanted to run, if I decided to get up off the sofa, strap on those running shoes, and just start a training routine, eventually, I could run for six minutes, and then seven minutes, and then 10 minutes, and then a half hour, and eventually, I would continue building and building my strength and my stamina, and I'll bet I could run a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon. We have to consistently train our bodies to do this. And Christians need to consistently train our minds and our hearts and our spirits to run this marathon of a race towards Jesus Christ. The plan starts with the goal, right? There's the goal, that's what I'm doing. And usually it's really good if we kind of work backwards from there, right? Then we start planning how to obtain the prize. As Christians, we do that by knowing the path and we know the path through prayer. We know the path through studying scripture And we know the path by joining other believers and training together. We all know prayer. We all know studying our scripture. We all know reading the Bible. Some of us are doing uh, and, and have done every year a Bible reading plan. Some of us are involved in Bible studies. Some of us are reading devotionals. And those are good things. Those are things that are training our spirits, training our minds, training our hearts. One thing that is really starting to be lacking though, in the Christian walk, is that people are starting to say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I don't have to go on Sunday morning and worship God with all these other people in order to be a Christian. And technically you're right. Becoming a Christian means, confessing your sins to God and repenting. That's becoming a Christian. That's coming to faith in Christ. To live the Christian life, we need other people. We need to be able to rely on one another. Marathon runners have these people called running buddies. Anybody have a running buddy? You ever like run with somebody? Wendy was my running buddy when we were training, and when we weren't complaining back and forth to each other about how insanely hot it was, (laughs) it was really encouraging. Because there were times when I was so, so tired, and Wendy would just say, well, okay, I'm just gonna run on ahead, I don't wanna lose the pace, I don't wanna lose this. And it encouraged me to keep up. And I did the same for her. When we have a friend that we're running the race with, it becomes easier. It may not become easier physically, but mentally, emotionally, it becomes easier. And if we run the Christian race, if we run the race for Christ with other people, it will become easier. We have to be with one another If one of us sins, we need to have somebody there who will come and pick us up and encourage us to pray for forgiveness and then get back on that path. Get back on that run. Get off the sidewalk. There's Jesus Christ. There's the goal right there. Let's go. And I'm going to run with you. And we hold each other accountable when we do those things. We don't let each other wallow in our sin because I'll tell you what when you wallow in your sin and you're alone it is really easy to lose the path it is really easy for you to sit there all by yourself and all of a sudden you start hearing the enemy talk in your head you're not good you were never saved to begin with Jesus doesn't love you God can't possibly forgive you for that but if I've got a partner that I can go to. And this is hard. This is probably the hardest thing in, in, in all of Christianity. But if I have a partner that I can go to and I can say, you know what, Renee, I really screwed up. I did this thing. I did this sin. And I've asked God to forgive me, but I just feel like I can't. I don't feel like he's forgiven me. I feel like he's not there. And that's when Renee gets to encourage That's when Renee gets to say, he is there. Come here, let me show you. Let's keep running. That's what it is to be among a community of believers, a community of people who will say, I will pick you up when you fall, and I will run with you, and I will encourage you, and I will push you towards that goal. That's why we're here. On Sunday mornings, we strive together. We serve one another. And we press on towards the goal. When we feel helpless, when we feel like God is a million miles away, sometimes all we need is somebody else to show us it's God. And I don't know if you've ever felt like God is a million miles away. But I'll tell you something, when you've got somebody in your life that will walk along with you, that will live this Christian life with you, they're going to be able to show you God is right there. He is right in front of you. You just have to turn around and look. Last thing a marathon runner needs is rest. And some people don't think about this when we're training for something. You need to rest your body. You need to rest it so it can recover, so that it can uh, gain energy, so that you can go further. And the marathon runner does the same thing. You give the body time to, to, to recover during training. Maybe they like spend a the day and they'll do uh, stretching or yoga or something just to stretch those muscles out, make them a little stronger so they can go on the next day. She gets a good night's sleep, right? Because we know that sleep heals our body. <laughs> And it does. When we sleep, our body heals. And God designed it to be that way. And God told us to rest. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we read, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation and in Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 to 10 we read in the in the 10 commandments the commandments that God gave to his people this is how you should live your life remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. And I wonder if this is sometimes the hardest thing for us to do as Christians. To rest. To stop. How busy are we? We have work and we have school and we have clubs and we have church and we have sports sometimes not even in that order our lives become so full of things that we that we just we never find a rhythm of rest Wendy and I were talking about this yesterday the last few weeks have just been one thing after another a lot of things that weren't even planned that happened, that we had to deal with, and it was just one thing after another, after another, and, and we just, we, we weren't getting good sleep, and we weren't resting, and we were falling asleep during Jeopardy. I mean, that's just not something that you do, but we did, Like, and you know what time that's on, like 7.30. We used to stay up until midnight. 7.30, we're falling asleep because we're so tired. And then what do we do? We get tired, and then we stay tired, and then we get more tired, and then we keep getting tired, and then we're going to take a vacation. (laughs) I'm going to take a whole week, and that's going to recover me. That's going to make me feel rested and recovered. And then when we get back from vacation, what do we say? I need a vacation to recover from my vacation. (laughs) We never find. Rest, And and it's so strange to me, And, and I'm guilty of this, but it's so strange to me because God commanded that we rest. Do your work in six days, and on the seventh day, stop working. Stop doing stuff. The Hebrew word here for Sabbath, it does mean seventh day, but it also means something else. It literally means a time of rest. Remember the time of rest and keep it holy. Holy means set apart. It's something you have to plan. It's something that you have to decide to do to set time apart to rest. And God commanded rest for everything. It wasn't just for us. He, in, in the commandment, he says, You don't work your, your, your animals during the Sabbath. You don't work your servants during the Sabbath. You don't work anything during the Sabbath. You just rest. You don't cook. You don't clean. You don't do anything. You don't even travel. You don't go anywhere. You stay home. And he even said, You need to rest your land. The dirt, the ground in Leviticus 25.2, he says, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. You're not supposed to plant anything for a whole year in this land. You're supposed to let it just sit and rest. And God commanded this Sabbath, this time of rest, because without rest, everything becomes unproductive. Without rest, we can't think to do our best in our work, in the other things that we're doing. And without rest, we might even become useless. No good for anything without rest. And I know what you're thinking, because I see Cindy over here. She's saying, but I'm too busy to rest. There's too much to do. And, and I can say that because Cindy has said that to me in public places, so I'm glad to feel comfortable sharing that. Wendy has said this. I have said this, and I'll bet almost all of you have said, I am too busy. I can't, I can't take Saturday off and not do anything. I'm too busy. I've got to do all the things that I didn't have time to do on Monday through Friday because I had to work I had to go to sports, and then go to the thing, and I had to go to the club, and I had to do all this. But let me ask you something. God created everything. We agree, God created everything. And even he rested on the seventh day. What makes us think our own work, our own tasks, the things that we do, our household chores and all this, what makes us think that they are so important that we should ignore God's commandment to rest. Really, think about it, what are you doing that's so important that you just tell God, you know what, I'll rest some other time? I know, I, and believe me, I did not want to say that this morning because it convicts me probably more than it convicts some of you. But what is so important? that we're doing that we can't follow God's command to rest. Do you know what happens when you don't rest? you know what happens when you get too tired? When you get weary? I know this is true for me. When I get so tired, gives the enemy, Satan the opportunity to come in and tempt me with sin and it gives me not a whole lot of energy to fight it when we are tired Satan can be much more successful in his attempts to tempt us 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, mindful, minded, be watchful. Be watchful means to be alert. How can we be alert if we're tired all the time? If all we want to do is sleep. Be sober-minded, be watchful. The adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's you, that's me. And it's so much easier to devour a sleeping pray than it is a prey that is awake and alert and can fight back. Jesus told Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was arrested watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. They were fallen asleep. Jesus took them Apart from all the other apostles. Took them into the garden. And he said, wait here and pray. Because Satan is at work. And Jesus went a little bit further. And he prayed. And he came back. And all of his friends were asleep. They were passed out. And he woke them up. And he said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh is weak. And he did this. Three times, and all three times he went off to pray, he came back, and his friends were asleep. And that third time, they didn't even realize what was going on when the soldiers showed up until it was too late. They were not alert. They were not awake. Jesus told his disciples in uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 36, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is telling us that these things, these temptations, these tribulations, these trials, all of these things are going to happen until you stand before him in the last day. All of these things are going to be coming at you. And you've got to be alert. You've got to be awake for it. How can we stay awake if we're always tired? God knows our vulnerabilities. God knows that when we're physically and emotionally and mentally tired, it makes us spiritually vulnerable to be devoured. And that's why he commands us to get regular rest. When when God was with the Israelites in the desert for 40 years, he protected them. He went before them as as a cloud by day and as a pillar of fire at night, he would surround the Israelites. He protected them. Don't be afraid to get some rest. Just ask God to protect you. But we need to get that rest because this marathon, this race that we're running for Jesus Christ, it is a long, long race. This isn't six hours of running. This could be 60 years. And the persecution and the trials and the tribulations never stop. We need to build a firm foundation on Jesus Christ. We need to know his word. We need to know what we're up against. We need to pray for God to give us protection and provision. We need to pray and thank him every day for the things that he has done for us and the things that he will do for us that day and the next day and the next 60 years. And we need to have partners who will run the race with us. I don't know if you realize or not, but if your partner gets tired and you're okay, you can watch over your partner. You can pray over your partner. You can help them along during that time of tiredness. You can carry them so that they can rest. But we need each other. Jesus Christ gave us the church because he knew the race would be hard. And he knew we would need each other. Paul finishes this section of his letter saying, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. If you get some bad theology, God's going to tell you about it. And guess who he's probably going to use? Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Don't give up what you've already gained in Christ. Don't look backwards. Don't move backwards. Strain forward to what lies ahead. Press forward toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When we do that, when we do it together, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ at the finish line. We're going to pass that line. We're going to be done. I don't know if you've ever seen a marathon runner when they're done. Sometimes they just keep on running. Sometimes they're standing there. Sometimes they're bent over. Sometimes they are flat on their back. But however we make it to the end of that line, (coughs) Jesus Christ is going to be there with our medal, with our crowns, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, Sixty years of living for Jesus Christ is a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. In Matthew chapter 25 it says, enter into my rest. That's what we have to look forward to. If we run this race of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you today in Thanksgiving for another day to run this race. We thank you for this day in particular that we can come together as runners to encourage each other, to help each other along, to hold each other accountable for making sure we stay on the path Strain towards the goal. Father, you know that we need strength. And you know that strength comes from rest. Father, help us to keep your time of rest holy, set apart. Help us to make the decision to stop to do no work and help us during those times to focus on you to focus on our families to give us the strength we need to get up and run the other six days of the week thank you for giving us rest help us to take it Father, we thank you for the things that are going on around our country today, the revival in Asbury that's been going since February 8th. Father, we thank you that people are coming together to worship you. And we ask that this be your work, that it be your time, that the people who are experiencing you during that revival continue to run the race they get on the path that they know you and can strive towards eternal life. Father, we thank you for everything. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And this morning, we uh, sang, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I love this line. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his amazing grace. We can see God. We can know that He is there even if it feels like things are hopeless. And I want to encourage you, help others to see God this week. Help them to know that He is there, that He wants to be in a relationship with them. Show Christ to the world this week. God bless you.